Um, as Tony said, my name is Ashley. I'm one of the leaders here at Chichester. Um, if I haven't met you before, then come and say hi afterwards. It'd be really nice to meet you this morning. Um, we are going to be looking this morning at Exodus 15, and it is the song of Moses and Miriam, and it is an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous passage, and I'm really excited to be preaching on that today. Um, but before we get into it, I'm going to have... Is this quite echoey? Was Okay. I was fine. Okay, we're going to be, I'm just going to do a quick recap so that we know exactly where this song sits in the context of what we've been looking at so far as we've been working through Exodus. So the Israelites have been told by Moses that God is going to take them out of slavery and into freedom. And the Israelites have watched as plague after plague has rocked Egypt where they've been. They've been through the night of Passover, they've gathered their things and they've fled in the depths of night. And then they've watched in horror as Pharaoh has changed his mind and sent his war chariots and his armies after them. And that's what we were looking at last week. And then we watched as we've seen how God divided the sea to create a path for the Israelites to pass through safely. And they did, and they passed through. And once they were through safely, he sent a wind, and the sea crashed back over all the Egyptians' armies who had been following after them. And the Bible tells us that the entire army of Pharaoh that went into the sea perished. So the Israelites have just fled for their lives, and they have seen God do this absolutely, utterly incredible thing for them, and they have been saved. They are finally saved. This is it. This is the moment that they have been waiting for all this time, that they have been longing for. It has finally, finally come, and that is where we are joining the passage this morning. Okay, so we're going to be reading Exodus 15. It is going to be up on the screen, but do feel free to, long, to read along as well if you want to. So the Israelites have passed through. They're on land on the other side. And before going anywhere or doing anything else, Moses and his sister Miriam, we're also told as one of the leaders of Israel and as a prophetess, they lead all the Israelites in singing this song to the Lord. So... I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy in the greatness of your majesty. You threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up. Like a wall, the deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils, I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword, my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretch out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. 
The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Eden will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, Lord, until the people you bought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling sanctuary. Lord, your hand established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. And when Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them, but the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, also Moses' sister, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing, and Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver, he has hurled into the sea. What an amazing passage. What an incredible song of praise and of victory from Moses and Miriam. Now, what is particularly cool about, well, there's quite a few things that are particularly cool about this passage, but one of the things that's particularly cool about it is that this is the first ever song that has been recorded in Scripture. First ever song. And so it's really important, right? And loads of other songs of praise and worship throughout Scripture, particularly in the Psalms, they are, um, much of their sort of base and structure are formed from this. And the Psalms, as we know, set much of the tone for our worship today. And so when we sing songs like we have been this morning that are telling of God's glory and might and power, we're continuing a tradition that goes back nearly three and a half thousand years that was started by Moses and Miriam. And I just think that's amazing when we stop to reflect on that. Um, And there's so much that we can learn from this incredible song that we can learn about God and about worship and about getting our hearts right before God, regardless of our situation. So... We're going to dive in, and we're going to start to really look at this passage this morning. So on the surface, this can seem very much like a battle story or a battle song, but it's not actually an epic story written by Israel to like commemorate their victory. I mean, it could well have been, given all that they've been through and all that they've done, but it's not. And there's a really key difference here, because you see, there are countless war poems and epics throughout history And these almost always focus on the glory of a person who's brought them through. So as an example, this here is a scene from a um, war epic that um, was found on uh, a a temple of Karnak in Egypt. This is from about the same time that the Exodus was happening. It was about 100 years before. And all this writing around here, this tells of the story of this guy, Ramesses II, and his great victory at Karnak. And a small um, interpretation of it is, is here. It says, His majesty was a youthful lord. He was active and without like. He was victorious over all lands. He was wily and launching the fight. And it goes on. It literally talks about like his guns and stuff like that. And it just really, it's all about him. And in literature throughout history, we see this, right? With like Henry V and his battle at Agincourt and Beowulf and all of those sorts of things. But not this song that we're looking at this morning. This song is totally different. See, Moses has done like incredible, outrageous things in the story so far. But where in the passage that we read does Moses get the praise and the victory for what he's done? It's nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. You see, this song is about God. 
Its contents are about God. Its context is about God. Its whole focus is on God. And the whole reason for it is the honor and glory of God. And you see, this song is radically God-centered. It doesn't even mention Moses. It doesn't mention him at all. And the reason that I say that it's radically God-centered is that actually this is so countercultural. And not just throughout history, like we've been seeing there, but today as well. Like, we are living in a world that is obsessed with self-adulation and kind of bigging ourselves up. And I don't think there's ever even been a time in history when we are so concerned with ourselves. I mean, all of, like, the reality TV shows, it's about building yourself up or, you know, self-glorification, social media, as we know. And I'm sorry to say it, but even there are many Christian leaders who... um, aren't exempt for this, you look at their sort of their social media and things like that, and they're writing bits of scripture and help things about prayer, and you look at the comments, and a lot of people are saying things like, oh, you're so wonderful, oh, thank you for this, you're so wise. And then the messenger is the one who becomes the focus of the praise. And we need to be wise and careful about where our praise is going, because you see, Moses and Miriam, they are in complete contrast to this. In fact, not only is Moses not the object of any adoration or admiration, but he is the chief worshipper, and he deflects any attention away from himself and back to God, back to the one who is the true source of their deliverance. And this first ever song that was recorded in scripture sets the tone, sets the standard for our praise going forward. So, The preceding chapters to this one that we're looking at today, they are the story of Israel's salvation. Yeah, Their flight from Egypt, the passage through the sea, and so on and so on. And salvation always demands a response from us. We can't not respond. And a response of praise is most most suitably often expressed in, in song and worship, isn't it? And so this song of Moses and Miriam that we're looking at this morning, this song of salvation, it wasn't just like an appropriate response. It was almost, it was mandatory of them. This was their spontaneous, jubilant response to, their, to, to God's incredible grace to them. Now, having said that there is absolutely no reference to themselves in here, there is actually a small exception to this because Moses calls him my God. He says, the Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. You see, Moses had a personal relationship with God. He stood by the shores of the sea. Shores of the sea and the sea shells. Um, he stood by the shores of the sea, and he declared that this God, who did all of these incredible things, he said, this is my God. He is my salvation. And it was through this relationship, this personal relationship that he had with God, that he was able to put himself in perspective and praise God for who he is. You know, we can sit at and look and study everything that was ever written about God. And to do that is interesting, but it can be just a dry academic exercise. Because in order to worship God properly, we have to have a personal relationship with him. And to know God personally means coming to him through faith in Jesus. And when we do so, we can join in this song of salvation. 
See, everyone who knows Jesus Christ will keep singing his praises until the end of the days. Because when we stop to consider all that he has done for us and all that he has saved us from, we can't help, we shouldn't help but to be able to just want to worship him and worship him in awe and wonder for all he has done for us and for all that he has saved us from. And you know, although this is the first ever recorded song in scripture, it is not the first ever song of praise. We know that all of creation has been singing praise to God since the beginning of the world. In Job, it tells us that when God made the world, the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. And you know, as soon as we come to Christ, we join that chorus that has been sung to God since the beginning of the ages. We are invited to join this glorious choir. I just think that's amazing. You see, Moses, he declared that the great and glorious God that he praised was his God. He had come to know him through faith. He had found his salvation through God. And as he stood on the shores, he wanted to share his personal testimony of what he had seen God do in his life and in the lives of his people. So, (laughs) we've just established that this song is all about God, which isn't particularly surprising because we're at church, right? But it is. It's all about him. It's not about person. It's all about God. And so that also means, though, that from this, we can learn some more about the character of God. Um, And so we're going to have a quick look at that. But just to be clear, again, this isn't what Moses has written here, isn't like a systematic theology of God. Yeah, it is a small snapshot from where he was at that moment in his life. It was like his heart response of praise to what he'd seen God do. So first of all, Moses praises God for his eternal nature. He calls him by the name Yahweh, which we looked at a little bit before Christmas, which means that he is, and what that means, and the significance of it. So that name shows that he is self-existent and eternal. And if you want to know more about that, there's a preach about that um, over Exodus chapter 3, sorry. Um, But Moses goes beyond that. He starts getting really, really specific, and he uses this song to display God's might. And if we look at some of the words that he uses here, he talks about him as my strength, my defense, my salvation. He says, the Lord is a warrior. He's majestic in power, shattered the enemy. It goes on like this. You see, this God is not a pacifist. Yeah, he doesn't just stand idly by and wait for people to kind of, you know, sink in by R and sit on a fluffy Valentine's Day perpetual cloud or anything like that. He is a God who has zero issue with fighting for his people, with fighting against injustice. But before we kind of get carried away down that route, we also need to make sure that we keep this in context, in context as well, because he is a warrior and he will fight for us. But none of this, he's not a violent God. None of this comes from a place of violence or malevolence. Actually, it's the complete opposite because his wrath towards the Egyptians pours out because of his righteousness and his love. If we look at verses 12 to 13, we'll see the reason for this. It says, in your unfailing love, you will redeem. So you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Moses makes it really clear to the people that the loving kindness of God is actually the source of their redemption. See, redemption or salvation, it focuses on God's love. Yes, 
God is a warrior. Yes, he will fight for you. But the source of all of this is his all-consuming, loving kindness that he has for his people. Now, in this passage, God's loving kindness is worked out in the salvation of the people of Israel uh, and all the incredible things that God is doing for them and will continue to do for them. The reality for us is this incredible loving kindness that works to save us has been fleshed out already with what Jesus did when he died for us on the cross. And so we can stand here in faith this morning and sing these same words from all these years ago. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. And if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, that is you. That is you that this is talking about. What an amazing, amazing God. He is eternal and he is omnipotent. He is holy and just and loving and faithful. This song, it sings of a God who is always with us and who has the power to save us. This God of Moses and Miriam is glorious and he is our God. But one of the other things that really amazes me when I look at this song is when it was sung. See, it's no accident or mere coincidence that this song happened at this point in the story, this first ever recorded um, uh, worship in Scripture. You see, the Israelites, they'd been through some pretty hefty stuff up until this point, right? God had promised to deliver them from slavery and into freedom, and he had promised to deliver them into a land of plenty, into a land that was completely theirs. But they aren't there yet, In fact, they don't know this yet, but they've got another 40 years of wandering through wilderness. They are going to go through some rough, rough stuff before they get there to the home that he has promised them. This isn't the end of their journey. This is not their final destination. And life can feel a bit like a journey, can't it, sometimes? And we all know that sometimes journeys are hard work. They can be really tiring, And if you have to use Southern Rail for any of it, it is especially exhausting. But you might be on a bit of a kind of serious journey with your health, or you might be on a journey to kind of um, get a better lifestyle, whatever that might look like for you, or trying to figure out what it is that you're doing with your life. And sometimes when we look back, we can see these end points, and that can feel really good, although not always. And often we get there and we kind of stop and give God praise for what he's done. But sometimes it does kind of feel like the journey just never quite ends. And I want to ask this morning, how often do we intentionally stop in the middle of our journeys and just pause to look back and reflect on what God has already done in our lives? Because that's what Moses and Miriam are leading the Israelites into doing here. And we can learn so much from this. So this is a significant milestone that they have just been through. They have just been saved. But they haven't reached their final destination, not by a long shot. And yet this is the point where they stop and reflect and look back and give God the glory for what he's done. And it's actually really interesting when you look at the structure of how this song is laid out when you consider this. So we're just going to have a quick look at that. Verses 1 through to 12, I haven't put all of it up here, but some of it, they deal with the Exodus event itself, right? Now past. So Pharaoh's chariots and armies, he's hurled into the sea. The deep waters have covered them. 
There's lots of praise for what God has done and his mighty, mighty power. The Lord is a warrior and so on. But then from verse 13 to 14, there's a real shift in tone. Now, I, I love a good action movie. I love something with a really good meaty, like, twist to it in a plot. I, uh, I went to see Avatar recently, the new one. I don't know if anyone here has seen that. Yeah, lots of nods, lots of you did. I thought it was an absolutely brilliant movie. I really enjoyed it. It was a solid hour too long. <laughs> my... Because for me, I'm all in on movies like that until it gets to like the fighty bit. Yeah, And as soon as the fighty bit starts to happen, my mind switches off and I'm wandering to the fridge and I'm opening it and I'm just seeing what else there is in there that I can have. And then I might pop back maybe 15 minutes later and then obviously my husband loves it when I have to get him to tell me everything that's happened while I've been gone. And you know, when I read on from here, on this kind of 13, 14 onwards, I will freely admit that actually I can struggle to stop my mind wandering off to kind of see what cheese there might be because it does get quite fighty during this part. See, 13 to 18, it looks forward to God conquering the land of Canaan, and it's talking about how all the people of the land will be terrified and all the battles that they're going to win. But to kind of wander off mentally at this point would be a massive mistake because it misses the whole point of this section. Because what they're actually describing here is how the obstacles ahead of them will be overcome about how God is going to safely take them through what's ahead of them. And that the promises for their lives will be brought to fruition. You see, it's a future event. The first part, past event. Second half, future event. It hasn't yet occurred at the time that they are singing about it. But the Israelites are looking forward and they're singing about the future in faith. By the power of your arm, there will be still a stone until your people pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. You see... When we stop and reflect and look back and celebrate what God has done in our lives, it builds our faith. It builds our faith for the future. There was an anticipation for the future that the Israelites had, and it was based on evidence. Yeah? It wasn't based on hearsay or rumor. They had directly experienced it. They've seen what God has done, and they are intentionally stopping to recognize what God has done, and as they do so, there is a building of anticipation for their future. The first ever recorded song in scripture sets that as the tone. And as the people responded in adoration and praise for what God had done, they looked forward with confidence to the future. I loved that new song that Toby and the band brought this morning. It was that, wasn't it? It was looking to the future in faith and anticipation of what God is going to do as we've been singing his praises. Now, I, I don't know what journey you are on. It's very different and individual to each one of us. I don't know what God has called you into or what challenges you are facing this morning or what hurdles you've already overcome. But I want to ask you, when is the last time that you just stopped and paused and really looked back? And I don't mean like as an annual performance review, right? This isn't like, what have I done really well? Where can I improve upon? Or any of that sort of stuff. But to intentionally reflect on what God has done in your life. See, 
Miriam and Moses, during this song, they went into great, great detail. They were specific. It wasn't just like, oh, Lord, you're so good. You're so full of blessings. Bless us. It was really, really specific about what he had done. And that is a great thing to do. Not because if you're not specific, God isn't going to remember what he's done. But actually, when you do that, it really helps us to look back and see exactly what he's done in our lives. And so I am going to pause here for a minute because I want to give us the opportunity to to do that this morning because once we leave here our lives get busy don't they like you know half of us head to Tesco's to start picking up from lunch see you all there and then you know we just start getting on with the rest of our lives don't we thinking about the week ahead of us but the passage that we're looking at this morning this isn't just a song of praise it's it's a song of remembrance so on our seats is a card, and everyone should have one within reach. If you don't have one nearby to you, then if you pop up your hand, one of our lovely welcome team will get one in your hand. And I'm going to pause, and we're going to take a minute to do this. We're going to take a minute to remember and praise God for what he has already done, and to be specific about it, like Moses and Miriam. So irrespective of where you are in your journey, what has God done in your life? What has he brought you out of? What praise do you want to offer up to him this morning to the one who has paid it all for us, to the one who saved us and brought us into freedom? So I'm just going to pause for a minute while we take a moment and write that down. Has everyone got a card? loads and loads and loads of writing going on this is brilliant I'll give you just another minute you can carry this on later obviously if you want Moses and Miriam, they they paused in this place, in the kind of middle place, the middle of their journey place, to give God the glory. And yet, the journey ahead might be daunting. There might be wilderness ahead of you, but when you look back and you give God praise, it not only honors God, as it should well do, but it helps to fix your eyes away from your own situation and back to God within it. 
And on the one hand, what we're writing here this morning might be a really deeply personal thing, but actually Moses and Miriam, they sang with all the Israelites together. This was a corporate act of worship because when we share together stories of God's goodness in our lives like this, it builds our faith, doesn't it? Stories like we've been hearing this morning from within our church. And so I'm going to encourage you to keep these cards somewhere where you can see them and where you can be reminded of what God has done in your life. But also, if you feel comfortable doing so, to share them with people, right? Share them with your life groups when you meet together. Share them over teas and coffees. Ask people, what's God done in your life? And share them with each other. Let's build each other's faith for what God has and is doing, even in that kind of middle waiting place. Um, the band want to come on up? Just want to... So as Miriam, as she closes the song in verse 21, she, again, she focuses on the Lord and on his greatness and on his redemption and our salvation, absolutely incredible as it is for us, it has an even greater goal. It's for the glory. It's for the glory of God. And this song of the the sea, the song of the saved, it sings of his glory. And as the people remember all that he has done, they can't help but sing and give glory to him. So how much more then should even we as people who know Jesus Christ, who know what he has done for us, his sacrificial and redeeming love for us, be brought to praise, to praise the one who's given it all for us. And so that's what we're going to carry on doing this morning. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to hand back over to Toby, and we are going to spend some more time worshipping God and giving him all the glory. Should we stand? You don't have to stand, but you can stand. Not you, Lisa. <laughs> Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you have saved us. We thank you that you have paid the price for us while we were still slaves to sin, that you died for us so that we could be redeemed, so that we could have freedom. Lord, our hearts, they sing your praise because of this incredible thing that you have done, because of your goodness, because of your holiness, because as we look back, we see your glory in our lives. And Father, we want to turn it around and give you the glory in all of these things. And we thank you that we can join in with this incredible song, join in with all of creation and sing this ancient song of truth because of your unfailing love for us and so God we pray as we leave here this morning that you would help us to keep our eyes fixed firmly on you Lord regardless of our situations Father regardless of where we are on our journeys would you stir us to worship you Father because of your great glory and for your great glory thank you Lord amen